There's a new JK collection release for Breeders' Cup 2022, the Winchell Epicenter Gold Label. Epicenter NFT owners have special access to the limited edition JK button-up. The Winchell Gold Label shirt is available only at openstable.io. Buy the shirt with the digital collectible, and you'll also receive an autographed Epicenter Platinum card signed by the wildly successful owner, Ron Winchell. The Gold Label shirt is only available at openstable.io while supplies last. If you're an Epicenter fan and you just want to wear the Winchell shirt for Breeders' Cup without the Gold Label, you can also get that separately. For that one, go to Old Smoke, oldsmokeclothing.com, and you can use our promo code MONEY for free shipping. That's oldsmokeclothing.com. Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players podcast. This is our show for Tuesday, October 18th. But it's also a YouTube video, and I know a lot of you are going to be watching on there first or instead. Make sure you check out the entire podcast wherever you get your podcast, in the moneypodcast.com, being put one place, iTunes, et cetera, et cetera. Also, if you're here on YouTube, do us a favor, rate, review, and subscribe along the way. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you. My voice is back. I'm back in the Brooklyn bunker, and I'm back with the man who I've done more podcasts with than anyone else in America. His name is Jonathan Kinchin. What's up, JK? PTF. I was actually thinking about that the other day, back in the day uh, when we when we used to podcast, and, and and it was at our old office that we had in Austin. I remember it was was a lot of them, and and, and uh, fond memories, fond memories, <laughs> most of them. We, most of them. We still get to the podcast from time to time, but I, I like this double duty with the YouTube vids. We're going to have a ton of stuff on our YouTube channel, some YouTube exclusive stuff as well. Folks are going to want to check that out if you're usual podcast listeners. We just want to get everybody, you know, in, in, interested in what we got going on here in the in the money media empire, because we had a really good track record these last few years in making predictions when it comes to the Breeders' Cup. Of course, you are uh, two time high up money uh finisher in the breeders cup betting challenge we're looking forward to you going one better yep two seconds basically <laughs> canceling out anyone else's accomplishment of two seconds <laughs> we're the same we're the same person we, we we were joking off air that when you, at some point you had to flex i think that was the moment in true professional <laughs> wrestling fashion that you should be you should show us off what you've been working at at the at, at the gym <laughs> oh Jesus! My my fiance is nuts, man. Like two days, it's it's been tough. That's hardcore. Oh, I, I love it. But let's yeah. let's we're early in the process here. We don't have past performances, so we're still going to call this the way too early Breeders' Cup prediction show. J.K., let's start with your fifth prediction. Yeah, this isn't this isn't the uh, the most uh, going out on the limb one, but. Todd Pletcher's going to win the distaff. No, not it's not bold, bold but I, I still think it's an opinion that you can make money with in terms of playing doubles, pick threes, pick fives, pick fours, pick sixes. I think if you can just use Nest and Malathot, I think you are saving yourself uh, some equity, some money, and not using other horses like a search results or we'll see what happens with with, with some of the other ones, Latruskas and, and uh, Societies and Clarieres and things of that nature. I just think that one of these two horses is going to win. Nest obviously likes Keeneland, ran well there, won a grade one at Keeneland. How good of a form is she in? She's going to continue to get better. And then Malathot, who I thought for a second was tailing off, but she's kind of back now. 
And and uh, if, if our friends Reagan Swinbank and Jake, Jake Ballish are listening, close your ears. Malathot likes Keeneland as well. And so I, I do think that uh, those two horses should have no problem with the track. They have no problem with their styles. I think Malathoth's going to get enough pace to close into. Nest doesn't matter. She'll go to the front or she'll come from last. I just think one of those two horses is going to win the distance. Do you Are you going to try to separate them much in your betting? I've noticed internationally shocking amounts, to my eye, enthusiasm for Nest over Malathat. They're betting it internationally almost like it's a one-horse race. I actually prefer Malathat to Nest, but I agree using them both, if you can afford it, is the way to go. Yeah, I mean, I actually talked to Nick Tamaro about this, who will be making the morning line for the Breeders' Cup and why people care about the morning line so much is, is, is beyond me. We talked about that on our last show. But I will say this, that... I think Nest is going to, because she won two races at Saratoga, because she was the Oaks winner this year, because she ran second in uh, in the Belmont, I think she's got enough name recognition. The Rapoli, they're going to have pieces about her with Rapoli and all these things. I just feel like she'll take a little bit of that public money. Uh, the public loves a three-year-old. Uh, and the margins. The margins of victory, too, are the kind of thing. Right. Absolutely and so I think she'll be favored. And and so, no, at this point, I will not be separating them. I'll kind of use them equally because I think that that's a reflection of my opinion. I think they're, they're equal chances of kind of winning that race. Um, the only thing that could sway me is the week of we know how important the workouts are. If we start hearing some, oh, my God, Ness couldn't be training any better, then Ness becomes one of those horses because of her tactical ability that maybe I would kind of upgrade a little bit. Or, oh, my God, Malathots were training like a monster. Those type of things could influence me either way, but we'll have to see what happens week of. Let's move on to my fifth prediction, JK. And this is one that's shocking me to say out loud, but I really believe it. Rich Strike can hit the board in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Now, before you start hating, you know, this is a horse I've been as, was as skeptical about as anybody after the Derby and as smug about as anybody after the failure in the Belmont. But what we've seen from this horse since and then also, more importantly, the way this race is going to be potentially shaping up, we've got a horse that we know he needs distance to show his best, and he needs a lot of pace. Well, Flightline's going to ensure that there's a lot of pace, and I don't think he can beat him, but I think Flightline can burn off all the other speed. Who's going to be running late into a second, probably a third? I think it's going to be Rich Strike. Do you give this Derby winner more respect now than you did back in May? Uh, no, not really. I mean, yeah, he's run better. Um, he's still not fast enough. And this actually might, this might work out really well. AJ, I'm going to cross my fingers that if you pop up my number four, it's the answer to Pete's number five. Fingers crossed. Let's see. No, it's not. Almost. I was close. Uh, we'll come back to that. I, I thought it was going to be the other one. Um, we can no, skip I just don't... number two, which I think will be the one. We can get okay. that out of the way. We can go out of order. Why not? Who cares? Let's go to number two. Go along. And just, it just makes more sense here. Look. Taima and Epicenter have both run three to four numbers in their career that are faster than Rich Strike is ever run. Um, I understand Rich Strike ran well last time outside of that goofiness from the rider, but he's just not better than Epicenter or Taima. And Taima, in my opinion, and Epicenter are both in, no offense, better hands from a trainer standpoint. So the idea that they're going to continue to improve, that they're going to be ready for that big stage, I, I just feel like they're going to run better. Um, and I think they are better horses. So, it rolls right in perfectly to my number two is I, I think that Taiba or Epicenter will definitely be in the exacta. I don't think either one of them are beating Flightline, but I do think that one of those two will be in the exacta. I don't know which one. I guess maybe Epicenter kind of has the style that you would think would kind of fit well in their race with Life is Good and Flightline in there. 
But, you know, it's Bob Baffert in a big race going a mile and a quarter in Kentucky. You would think that uh, Tyba could continue to improve as well. So uh, I'm against your number five, and and, and I raise you my number two with Tyba or Epicenter. Tyba can win the race. I mean, if everything goes right, I, I agree with that. But I could also see a scenario where because he's a serious win contender and because of his running style, that he maybe makes one of those early moves that gets him gassed and allows the likes of Epicenter and uh, and also Rich Strike to come just – just for third. That's the, the, that's my idea. But I definitely respect Epicenter, and I respect your idea on some horizontal play of having both the three-year-olds, whereas I don't think Rich Strike can win the race. I think either of the three-year-olds, if, you know, it's horse racing, things can go wrong, I'm going to mostly play the race like flight line is nailed on, but there's a world in which either of your horses could not only fill out the exacta, but, but win. Yeah, and, and you know, a little preview for the Breeders' Cup betting challenge. The last couple of years, I've gotten, I've hit, I've hit doubles in the last two late races to to get to to get to those second places. Um, I think I'll be able to do that as well. We'll talk a little bit more about the turf. I think I'll be able to do that this year with an opinion I have in the turf into flight line. I don't care. I mean, everyone can know what I'm going to do if I have whatever I have going into to that double. It's going to all be bet. Um, so there's no there's no secret there, but. If for whatever reason I can't work out the value in that double, I will go to the exacta pool in the classic with Flightline on top with a little epicenter and Taiba in second uh, with an all-in push. I'd have no problem with that at all. Let's move on. You, we, we've gone semi out of order here, but let's get back into order with your number four that went up before um, that concerns the sprint. A horse whose name starts with Jack will win the sprint. Now, my first question when I saw this is, it, oh, geez, I was pretty sure that uh, that Jack Christopher was going to go in the dirt mile. It sounds like you think he's going to go in the sprint. And you think he can give Jackie's Warrior a race, if not just beat him outright. Yeah, I don't know for sure what they're going to do. Um, you know, I, I know that there has been some conversations where, you know, I think Chad was kind of interested in trying the sprint. Uh, I do know there's other conversations where the mile makes sense. The, the thing about it for me, and this is just a little bit kind of an, on a tangent, I, I just don't really see I, – look, I, I've never bred a horse, but from a stallion perspective and, like, looking at it the way that we have, um, just being big fans of the game, it just makes more sense to me for Jack, for his stallion career, to win the six-furlong sprint than it does to win the two-turn short stretch, short run to the first-turn mile at Keelan. He's already won the Champagne. He's already won the Pat Day mile. He's already won the, the, the Jerkins. What, like – what, what, what else does he need to prove about being a middle distance horse? I don't, I don't think there's anything left to prove, but I think beating the likes of, uh, of Jackie's warrior in a six furlong sprint in a grade one in Lexington, to me, that means more to Jack as a stallion. Um, so that, that was kind of my thought. And, and I think that he can win that race as well. What we saw him do in the Woody Stevens, what we saw him do in the Jerkins, those are two performances that I think, uh, suggest that he can win the sprint and i think maybe the cutback might even help a little bit i was never really on the bandwagon he didn't want to go longer but i definitely have no problem with him going shorter he's that brilliant of a horse um and then you know jackie's warrior i i I forgive his performance uh in the forego i i feel like a lot of people feel that he didn't run his best race i actually think he did run an outstanding race that day i just think that cody's wish ran extremely well so I think I'm going to give Jack another shot going six furlongs. He just needs to draw outside. Uh, you know, if he can draw outside um, Jackie's warrior, I, I think he could win that race too. So I think a horse named Jack will win the sprint. And if Jack Christopher doesn't go in there, then this opinion is going to have to lie 
on the shoulders of uh, Jackie's warrior only. And it doesn't sound like you'd be that disappointed if it comes down to that, which is, which no, is- I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I think that, that, you know, Jackie's warrior, it, it'd be a shame if, if, if all of Jackie's warriors accomplishments were not capped off with a breeder's cup sprint win. Um, he, he's can go down as one of the greatest sprinters we've seen uh, with his accomplishments. I think a grade one at, at Saratoga, like three years in a row or four years in a row or something, something, something right. of that nature three in a row. Um, you know, I think he deserves it to have it on his resume. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that he will. Let's move on to my fourth idea, which is another one of these, you know, maybe it's not going to really shock people too much. who have been paying attention to the, the exploits of Charlie Appleby in North America over the last few years. I think he's going to win three separate breeders cup races. And I think they will probably be the juvenile turf with silver knot, who we know is going to be the one representing him in here. I think he's going to win the turf with one of his runners who's going there uh, rebels romance um, or the, the, the talented uh, three-year-old nation's pride. And then I think the mile in modern games. I mean, I, I feel like he ran a big race the other day. I, I kind of wish they'd stuck to what I thought was the plan and just gone right to the breeders cup mile, but I didn't see anything to put me off of him. I, I still think he is going to be the one to win at the Breeders' Cup this year where you can actually cash your ticket this time. Um, what's your general thought on these Appleby shippers? How are you going to approach them? I, no, I did, I'm excited to hear you talk a little bit more about them. I'm not going to say much. Kind of like when Maggie's talking about two-year-olds, I, I just need to shut up and listen. Um, tell me a little bit, you know, obviously I when I look at these races, I start thinking about how I'm going to play the Breeders' Cup betting challenge. Where are my pushes and where are my strong opinions? Where are my tosses? Um, we'll get to one of them in a little bit, so we'll save the turf. But as far as the juvenile and the juvenile turf, or the juvenile turf and the uh, is concerned, tell me a little bit about that horse. Is it a special, special horse, or just the best he's sending over? I think he's the best he's sending over. Is more like it. You know, we saw Mysterious Night and how good he was in in Toronto, and the fact that he's electing to send over this Silver Knot, who's getting good at the right time excellent form as a two-year-old and really look to turn a corner last time. I think this is, um, you know, we'll see. We have time to look at all the numbers and really shape this up uh, from a numbers perspective. But, you know, this early in the process for me, this is just a horse, the money that's been around for him, the decision to send him here. I think you 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 want to make him the first horse you look at when you're looking at the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, if nothing else. So that much, that, that much I can assure you from this far out. Um, I think we should switch the order since we 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 gave we, we went out of order before. We'll go out of order here and give me another one. Let's go to my number three before we get to JK's number three. And this is one that is this is divorced from any pick at this point. It's just a general idea uh, for contest players will appreciate this. It's based a little bit on the history of the race and a little bit from what I've seen of this group of two-year-old fillies. I think this is a great race to fish for what contest players would call a cap horse, 20 to one or better in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. Look, I like what I've seen from Chocolate Gelato, certainly. She's cool. Um, But like, is this, it just doesn't feel like a year where I'm going to want to get wedded to anything at a short price. I think it's a wide open race and I'm going to be looking at least with a lot of my play to shoot for the stars in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. I think we're going to see a 20 to one winner in the race Jonathan, do you have any early thoughts on the juvenile Phillies? That I, I that Prank would have won this race by a mile. Um, you know, Chocolate Gelato ran so fast at Saratoga, and she got a fast number, and then she came back and ran slow. 
Um, and then even Wonder Wheel, who I thought was pretty impressive, didn't run particularly fast either. So your idea here of trying to find a big price horse in a race that doesn't have a standout, it makes a ton of sense. And it, it, it seems kind of, you know, intuitive, like, oh, of course, there's, you know, there's horses that don't make sense on the top of the market. Let's not look for something underneath. My concern is, is that for whatever reason, that Chocolate Gelato or Wonder Wheel will take that step forward and kind of be those horses we kind of thought they were going to be. If that happens, obviously one of them will win, but I'm not doing that. I'm not taking that uh, proposition at a short price. So I'm with you on this one, trying to look for uh, for a horse to kind of lean on uh, from at a big price. All right, let's 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 do your third next. This is another one where the first part of it, I think people are going to be like, duh. And then the second part of it, I think is, is a little bit, uh, a little bit more interesting. JK, I'll let you read this one. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I feel like Chad's got a really good shot to get his, uh, his fifth Philly and Mirror turf here. Um, and it's a horse that I have has beaten me twice in a row, a, a horse that I kind of thought was a secondary horse. And I think the horse was probably a little bit of a second tier horse until they got the bright idea to send an Italian to the lead. She was impressive in the Diana. She was impressive in the, uh, in the first lady. And I think going that mile in three sixteens, even a little bit further, she's going to be even more dangerous because she's going to be able to make her own trip. She's going to get comfortable in the front end. Joelle's got a ton of confidence in her after her last two wins. And Chad now is training her to be a horse that will get out on the front end, relax, and then finish um, I think it could be day of the spa 2.0 wire to wire Chad Brown, the Philly mirror turf. It's hard to argue with you. I mean, it's this for me as a race, let's see who comes over from Europe before I, you know, commit to, to any opinion, but I, I'm not leaving an Italian out based on what I've seen from her um, in, in exotic plays. I can, I can assure you of that. Let's get to my number two. We're going to see cave rock is one of the biggest favorites throughout the two days of the breeders cup. I think Loggins is going to avoid the danger zone. See what I did there and win the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. So impressed with how this horse ran. I think he's going to be a square price between uh, the horse that vanquished him, the multiple grade winner, Forte, being in there. And, of course, I mean, I, I don't see a world in which Cave Rock isn't long odds on in this spot. Uh, you know, is this a race, JK, where you can see my point? Or, or might you, and it's been in mothballs in the back of the closet for a long time, but might you get out the silver wig? Oh, the wig's out, baby. I just washed my, my Baffert t-shirt just now. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've said this before in these situations because it's it's an early Breeders' Cup play for me, and it doesn't really change. It, it doesn't matter if people know I'm doing it or not, what it turns into, because I've got 20 other races in between then. This will be an all-in play for me on Cave Rock. Um, if I can find something before and after, it'll be doubles. If it has to be a win bet, it'll be a win bet, but it'll be an all-in an all wager for me on Cave Rock, just too fast. I like Loggins as a horse. And I like Loggins moving forward. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think on the first Friday in November, it's going to be Cave Rock. Let me give you one caveat, if you don't mind, unsolicited advice, which is generally a faux pas in horse racing. Watch him work slash listen to people you respect. Watch him work the week of. Because I feel like we've seen some of these Baffert two-year-olds come in there the week of and sort of anti tout themselves with uh with antics in the morning i mean if cave rock is training better than he's ever trained go for your life do it but i would just 
He's shown enough to me in his races that just I, I wonder, I wonder if he is going to be capable of taking that step forward in the in the farthest test yet. So that that's my only note. Just just yeah. Uh, and the one the, the one the one I'll the, to your point the, the one that I think probably and I don't even know if you know this is who you're talking about, but Eight Rings was one of those horses where he he but he wasn't nearly as fast as Cave Rock. He wasn't nearly as dominant as Cave Rock. He sure. wasn't running the figures. He wasn't as consistent. But you're right. I mean, all of these opinions are reserved. I think Breeders' Cup is one of those times where you have the best opportunity to hear about how horses are training. It's because a lot of times we get these clocker reports, it's one person's opinion. But when you when it's Breeders' Cup week, you get to hear six, seven, eight opinions. And there's, you know, you, you can hear kind of, oh, well, uh, you know, Cave Rock's been working like a monster. You hear it from farm manager here. You hear it from a trainer here that doesn't train the horse. You hear it from... Uh, you know, old jockeys, you hear, so when you hear, you're like, okay, now I know. And that's what happened with eight rings. Everyone said eight rings was working poorly. Everyone. Uh, unfortunately, Dennis's moment is still running. Yeah, that's right. He, he was working great and it didn't work out for him as we found out in ignominious fashion. Just a couple of minutes left, but I think we can actually do these pretty quickly. These are races we're going to be coming back to time and time again. We'll go with mine first. I want to end on yours. We'll go with mine. We'll go back to, you know, Appleby related stuff here. You could say that a couple of mine are correlated. So maybe they don't, they don't count for as much, but Breeders' Cup turf, uh, my number one prediction here. It's not that I don't like Warlike Goddess. I respect her immensely, but I still think the move in the Breeders' Cup turf is to play this for an international one, two, three. And it remains to be seen exactly who's going to show up. But uh, I think these these uh, European invaders have a great chance to run one, two, three. You've got the two Applebee's who are coming in Rebels Romance and Nation's Pride. It sounds very realistic that the champion stakes winner, Bay Bridge, is going to be making an appearance. Those three alone. And then you throw in Mishriff, who I feel like has already shown himself to be a true international superstar. What a way for him to go out with a big run in the turf. With those four in there, it might be hard for Warlike Goddess, as good as she is, to make the frame. She could run her race and run fourth to that uh, to that quartet of runners. JK, feel free to piggyback onto that or go right to your number one. No, no I mean, one of my points was going to be, um, you know, one of my top five we were talking last night was it was Warlike Goddess will get beat. Um, and I'm going to stick with that opinion. And, and to, to be fair, it kind of worked out. I was a little bit frustrated she ran against the boys last time because I wanted to try to beat her, and I wanted to try to beat her where I had some value. I didn't think last time presented much value. I tried to beat her with Gufo. I'm divorced from him again, and then she won. Um, but now I think I actually it actually worked out even better for me in the long run for this opinion because she's now she's beating the boys. Now they're going to really think she can beat the boys. It's still an American market. They're going to bet her, and I'd be shocked if she's not the first or second choice especially because they're going to do a bunch of features on her and all these things. Um, they're going to run her and say her and Goldakova's name in the same sentence. And it's like, which is, it's going to be a great opportunity. Um, let's just keep this in mind. The reason she was so dominant against the girls is because the girls aren't very good and no offense to Peter Brandt, Virginia joy and Chad Brown, but she, she got beat by Virginia joy. I don't care what the circumstances are of a race. If you lose to Virginia joy, you're not beating four good euros in a mile and a half turf race. I just don't, I just don't care. What, I don't care what the excuse is. And, and Gufo, Gufo, like he's suddenly this amazing American turf horse. We, dirt, we I mean, need turf to talk horse. about Gufo, JK, because you had famously said on our airwaves 
that you, you, you made a big thing about signing the papers and all this. And oh, a listener pointed this out. And I wish I could give him credit. But, you know, you made this big point about how the divorce papers were signed. And then the next race comes up. And what do you do? But you pick Gufo one more time. Well, you yes. got reserved on that one. And it has been suggested that Gufo may take out a restraining order against you. Lafitte and I joked about this on the show where I said, yes, Gufo and I are divorced, but we're meeting for coffee to see if we can try <laughs> to figure something out. And um, that coffee did not go well. And look, I, I didn't have a choice. You know, I didn't have a choice. I, I, I was trying to. It's, it's like I had a plus one for a wedding. I didn't want to go by myself. So I was like, Goofo, do you want to go? <laughs> I didn't have a choice in that situation because I wanted to try to beat or like goddess. And there's no one in there to beat her with except for Goofo. And, and he let me down. So anyway, I, I mean, I just, I just don't think she's as good as she's going to get credit for. And I think there's going to be an opportunity to beat her. Even if she's a second choice, I still think there's value. Your number one prediction is up on the screen. Let's deal with it uh, and uh, and wrap this section of the show. Yeah, I just think he's going to run a faster. I mean, not only do I think he's going to win, I think he's going to run a faster figure than he ran. All audio listeners too. So read it out for us. Yeah. Oh, uh, Flightline will run the, run faster than the 126 from the Pacific Classic. The 126 buyer speed figure he earned. If you're new to the game, speed figures very similar to a quarterback rating. The higher, the better. The fast, you know, the faster they ran. Um, I just think he's going to run faster because I do believe this will be his last race, despite, you know, some of the things that they've suggested that maybe he'll run next year. I, I just think he's worth too much money to do that. Unfortunately, I think this will be his last race. So you're not going to see Flavian kind of saving for the next situation. Uh, the other situation is that he's going to have a target, I think, and life is good. I, I don't see life is good sitting outside of him and trying to rate. Todd Pletcher's too smart for that. He's not going to run by that horse maybe try to get him off the bridle, get him uncomfortable. So he'll be sucked along by a talented horse and life is good. Then he'll be pushed to finish with real horses like Tyva and Epicenter running at him. I think you're going to get that top, top performance. The other thing is talking to a lot of trainers, those West coast dirt tracks are still a little bit loose, looser than normal. And I think a fall Keeneland track is going to be tighter, and I think it's going to allow him to really, really run. And I think he's going to run a faster speed figure than he did in the Pacific Classic. Great stuff, JK. Appreciate you. We're going to wrap this segment. If you're listening on podcast form, if you're on YouTube, there's going to be a lot more videos right behind this one. And we encourage you, if you want even more content, to go over to inthemoneypodcast.com slash plus and check that out. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at the New York Thoroughbred Breeders. New York Showcase Day is fast approaching as the Sunday, October 30th slate features eight stakes for New York breads, totaling over $1.6 in purses. The Great Racing will highlight the strong New York bread program, one that is unsurpassed in purses of any regional state bread program. The New York Thoroughbred Breeders is an organization dedicated to the advancement of this New York bread program across the breeding and racing industries. Part of the New York bread growth includes $181 million in total purses per year with membership incentives, including the New York Breeder Magazine, free entrance to any Naira facility, and discounts through the NTRA Advantage program. Now it's the time to join the New York Thoroughbred Breeders. For more information, go to www.nytbreeders.org membership. Today's show also brought to you by Betmakers. Fixed Odds Betting powered by Betmakers is back and in effect in New Jersey with great early returns. 70% of the winners paying more on fixed odds than they are on the tote. Fixed Odds wagering is now available throughout the state via monmouthbets.com. This is an exciting new way to bet that really puts the power to get value in your hands because the odds you bet are the odds you get. 
And you're going to continue to hear a lot more about fixed odds betting opportunities across the In The Money Media Network. Our series of videos and audio content relating to this year's Breeders' Cup continues. This one goes out by special request. We had a handful of people saying, going to Lexington for the first time, where should I go? What will you guys, you know, you do your lifestyle content for Del Mar and Saratoga. We're, we, we, let's do something for Lexington. We appreciate that very much. So PTF back with you here. We'll, re, we'll now bring in a guest who I've had the pleasure of hanging out with in Lexington many times. He should know what he's talking about, given what he does professionally. And I, and I know he's a man who knows how to have a good time. And we're going to bring him in now. He is John Cox. John, what's going on? What's up, Pete? Thanks for having me on. Let's start with one of yours on this. We're going to use our same uh, countdown format. We'll go back to the, we'll do five and we'll do a, a, an honorable mention as well that we'll do before we get to the first one. But let's start off with your fifth, uh, fifth pick, which highlights an area of the town that I too am a big fan of. Yeah. So number five, I'm going to go with uh, visit the distillery district. Uh, it's off Manchester street. If you're familiar with Lexington, but uh, just a cool old, uh, kind of renovated area of the city that is right on a creek but it's it's one of the uh, one of the coolest bars over there is the goodfellas distillery and it's literally housed in an old distillery building you know you can see all the old uh, equipment and whatnot uh, it, it just really has a, a cool feel to it some great beers craft cocktails solid pizza i'm sure you've seen uh port noise pizza reviews <laughs> there in the past and uh yeah, no, I mean, I, I love that place. There's good, uh, some good breweries over there, Ethereal Brewing, um, Elkhorn Tavern's a cool spot, Break Room, and, uh, you know, there's just a lot to do, even if it's, if, no matter if it's warm outside and you can be outside, or if it's cold, you know, you can get around a fire in there, so yeah, that would be number five for me. My number five is going to tie right into the distillery district, but... I want to start off by also just doing a little tangent about music. And if you're listening to the podcast version of this, our outro today is going to be very special. I've asked my man, Nick County to, to stand down today and it will be John Cox. You're hearing on the, on the outro. Um, I want to hear a little bit about this. You know, we, we knew you're a poet. You've dropped rhymes on these shows before, but uh, the, the, the music foray is interesting. Yeah. It's not something I've uh, necessarily broadcast uh, far and wide before, but um I've always written. I've always been a writer. Uh, I, I actually am also an auctioneer. I don't know if you knew that, but I, I can talk fast and I've always liked rap music. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of, especially during COVID, uh, worked on some songs and whatnot and uh, just fun for me. It's a different way to kind of promote, uh, promote Kentucky, promote the races, uh, you know, so almost poetic in its own, in its own way, but oh, for uh, sure. yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a, a lot of other uh, creative outlet for me, I guess. That's awesome. Well, we'll talk, we'll talk more about that on a visit when we have, when we have more time and the auctioneer sure. stuff gives me a whole bunch of ideas uh, right off the bat, but we'll, oh, we'll yeah. leave, put a pin in that. But the reason I mentioned music is I did have a great experience. I don't know if it's technically distillery district, but it's right close to there one night uh, at the Burl. And since neither of us as our official list have anything about where to go see music in Lexington, I was going to ask, is the Burl still a cool spot? Where else would you say for people who want to go check out some music? Oh, yeah. The Burl is definitely one of the most um, kind of intimate settings. I mean, I think it caps off at about 250, 300 people. Uh, it's cool because I actually saw Tyler Childers there a couple of times, you know, before he really made it. And then, you know, you just saw him play a concert in front of, you know, tens of thousands of people at Rupp. Uh, just last week. So uh, 
definitely some up and comers have, have been through the borough. Um, Elkhorn Tavern, which I mentioned also in distillery district is, is a cool place around a fire. That's a little more local music. And then uh, Henry Clay's public house that's downtown. That's also a cool spot to, to catch some tunes. So. Excellent. We'll go to my number five. It's a quick one, but just, and there are locations of crank and boom that are not in the distillery district, but I'm not sure if they all have, liquor licenses, the one at the distillery district does, because after a nice winning day at Keeneland, at some point, JK and I did go for the boozy milkshake at Crank and Boom. And I thought it was something that our listeners w- would appreciate. And I know when you were oh, named yeah. all the distillery district places you were into, I mean, is, is Crank and Boom widely regarded as the best ice cream in Lexington? I think so. Yeah. And it's just like a, a craft feel, you know, a unique feel to all their flavors and kind of put a local spin on it. So, yeah. It's definitely uh, near the top of the list, if not at the top. So Let's move on to your fourth one. And this one, I mean, this one could be a joint number one for both sure. of us. Yeah. yeah, it's a given. And it's just tour a local farm or, you know, specifically a thoroughbred uh, breeding operation, most likely. Uh, they're all beautiful in their own unique way. But uh, if you're looking for, like, star power and just beauty, I mean – I. I have to put Coolmore near the top of the list at Ashford Stud. I mean, just having American Pharaoh and Justify there. And then just seeing all these cool stone buildings and, and even stone barns is, is something really unique. But uh, you got a horse country. I think it's visithorsecountry.com. Uh, you know, you can set up tours through there. Um, and I mean, also, like, if you're around before or after, I mean, like, going to a horse sale, if you've never been to a horse sale, Faisa Tipton and Keeneland, um, both really cool places and, you know, I, I remember uh, Cock Campbell saying one time, it's the most exciting exchange in American commerce to see a, to see a horse sale in real life. So I, I you know, got to agree with that to an extent. That's a great so, line. Yeah. yeah. Rich man's bingo. My, my friend and mentor. There you go. I like that too. Yeah. Which is, it's just pretty funny, but yeah, visit horsecountry.com is the place and don't feel limited to any particular farm. Honestly, you can, I mean, I've had great experiences at so many of them. We're very partial to our friends over at Mill Ridge. Um, that's an incredible experience. Uh, Ashford, we've had great experiences, you know, the Claiborne thing. I mean, Visit horsecountry.com. Go there, see what's available. Obviously, Breeders' Cup week, it's going to be kind of crazy. And if you can't get there, I'll throw in a quick shout out to our friends at Old Friends up in Georgetown, not that far, which might be a place where you could get a tour if you can't uh, if you can't get to one of the, the current breeding operations. You'll see horses, you know, just an amazing operation out that way. Let's go to, to my number four. And this one is one of these where you, I could have picked any number of places because it's really there's a lot of good dining in and around Lexington. I threw Jeff Ruby's right out there. Um, we, we have a, a great friend of the program, uh, Jenny Hosney, who works there. Um, she's fantastic. If we've never had a bad service experience there, never had a bad food service experience there. It's really like something out of time. It's a CNBC place where the food is actually good. You will see people from racing. For all I know, they're all booked up Breeders' Cup week, but that's the kind of place to me. Even if you're coming in for a drink before dinner, after dinner, just to to, to see what it's all about, um, you know, so many we could do a whole hour on on food, and we and I will get you to name check a few favorites of yours. But I wanted to make sure I, I threw a, a Jeff Ruby shout out on no, for sure, and it's just the whole ambiance and the experience of the dining there. I think is just the piano bar and everything else. I mean, the live music and yeah. It's it's an awesome spot. Yeah, the, the the music aspect is really fun. What are some of your other go tos for uh, in terms of, of fine dining? 
Well, I mean, yeah, if you're going to talk about rubies, I think Tony's is a one a 1A probably uh, in that regard. Um, you know, Dudley's on short downtown is great. Uh, the American is kind of a more traditional uh, classic uh, spot, a little further outside of town, but not far by any means, but uh, they've got, you know, the Southern dishes, the fried chicken and uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So those are all some good ones. Um, you know, I could, like you said, I could keep going on. And on. <laughs> I'll put in a shout out because we've got a, a listener who works in the kitchen at uh, Distilled on Jefferson. Oh yeah, no, that's yeah, a great, yeah, great experience there. And you know, if if Spencer's working, tell him we said hi. But we've, okay. we've had a number of great experiences there, so we'll give them a special shout out as well. Now here, you're number three. I think a lot of people are going to be interested in, and I don't know jack squat about so this is this is why you're here to be yeah sure so i mean i just said you know I, if i can't go to the races and it's nice outside for whatever reason I, i'm probably going to try to see what my golf options are and um you know there's several nice uh public courses around town i just throw out a few uh one of my favorites is houston oaks it's out in paris but uh you know you you take paris pike out there it's a beautiful drive you see lots of uh the horse country on that route and it's a really well-kept course for a public course and just beautiful scenery out there a couple others that you can probably get on are the university club which is where uh university of kentucky's golf uh has their home course it's it's also a really pretty when they have two separate courses on there and then kearney hill is like a municipal kearney hills is a municipal uh golf course but it was designed by pete Dye. it's it's really nice as well so just a few to throw out there but uh yeah always a good time no, I, and I think well, people will take advantage of that. Mine, uh, another one that'll definitely take a big chunk of your day, but I highly recommend my uh, my third idea. I mean, you're in you're in Kentucky. You know, we know what Kentucky's known for, and, and one of the things is whiskey. And you do not have to go far from Lexington to do it to do a tour. Now, again, book up, make make your reservations sooner rather than later for Breeders' Cup Week, or be prepared to drive. But two, I'll name check. I mean, Woodford Reserve is amazing. That's a great place to go out to, and it's super duper close. But mm-hmm. we, we we will also name check a place where I'm hoping we're going to be doing a video from um, Breeders' Cup Week, and that's Maker's Mark. So that's a bit of a schlep. It's it's in Loretto, Kentucky. So that's like if and you tell me if I'm wrong here, John. But that's a little bit farther, I think, even than Bardstown. Um, yeah, it's about an hour, hour and a half from. Yeah, it's nothing but... crazy, and no. it's a great tour. It's such a bucolic. Um, little hollow where they they make the stuff it's it is it is a distillery tour unlike any other that i highly recommend and then while we're talking bardstown bardstown bourbon company especially if you can get in for some of their special tastings that they do i think they're doing some of the most exciting stuff i mean there's so much good stuff to choose from but that's those are just three things i'll name check and then if you can't get to a distillery well i have another number on the list where we can talk about drinking whiskey right and i'll just throw in there to the distilleries pete um also buffalo trace is is one of my favorites as well uh, obviously but uh you know they have a gift shop that's open uh even if you can't book a tour there like you can still kind of go in the gates and walk around and, and see you know get a feel for it because I have a feeling that most of those spots are going to be booked up, you know, yeah. week out of Breeders' Cup. So, uh, yeah, but uh, definitely want cool to gift shop for sure. And yeah. sometimes they'll have offerings in the gift shop. Like the day I was there, I think you may have had to have taken some sort of like tasting or tour or something to be able to get this, but you could then buy like a bottle at MSRP of something that would go for, you know, 4X that in a liquor store. Oh, yeah. There's a uh, – 
little Facebook group called what does Buffalo trace have today? <laughs> and uh, they post on there what, cause they offer about four different, five different, a rotation of five of their products. So uh, yeah, if you get there early cool. enough. You sometimes you got to wait in line, but it's, it's, it's worth it. Yeah. But Buffalo trace, obviously they, they, they do great stuff as well. But of course, not only is there whiskey to drink around Lexington, it's also, you mentioned ethereal already, but it's become a really good place for beer drinkers. And uh, I want you to give the, the rundown here for your, for your number two. Yeah. So I'd say a brewery crawl maybe, or just any of our breweries. I mean, you know, I don't have kids, but a lot of my friends do. And I feel like that's, you know, if you want to drink and still have space for the kids to run around, uh, breweries are great. So uh, Mirror Twin is probably my go-to here as a local spot, but I also I number like, one as well. Yeah. And, and they have great TV set up too. If you want to watch a game or racing or whatever, they're usually pretty accommodating, but I uh, also like country boy, uh, West six blue stallion. And like you said, we mentioned ethereal. There's a couple others over there in the distillery district, fusion brewing, Wisebird cider. And then they also have the battle axes, the ax throwing, which I've never actually done before. Um, <laughs> but you know, some people like it. It seems like kind of a well, that's combined with a brewery. That seems like a uh, it's a little dangerous. Yeah, but it is um, you know part of the same building. So yeah, <laughs> which which brewery is that? I got to check that out. It's a uh, Fusion Brewing. So it's it's a big building uh, in Manchester, kind of on your left as you first pull in, and I think they're converting some of it into you know storage space or something. But at the bottom level, there's the battle axes and uh, yeah, a couple other breweries and. Uh, I think there's another restaurant in there too. So excellent, excellent. Yeah. Well, the, the the brewery crawl certainly certainly a good uh, a good thing. And so, so here's a wise guy move. I'm not sure if you're supposed to do this or not, but I've done it, and it dovetails really nicely with my number two. You know, uh, Kentucky. Kentucky isn't one of the southern states that is always associated with barbecue, but there's some really good barbecue in Lexington, um, and I know there's some really good barbecue in Western Kentucky as well, but I am a yeah, I was say, they'll fight you in Western Kentucky if you say that. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm talking about yeah, yeah. yeah. the bluegrass region, yeah. maybe not so much, but yeah. Yeah, the, the, but the, the West is, you know, lamb, well, a lot of lamb out there, right? Oh, um, yeah. I've never I gotta go to some of those famous spots. But even in, in Lex, there's some good places. I oh, mean yeah. County Club, I've had good experience, but my favorite is Blue Door Smokehouse. And it's actually an easy walk. And I've taken my Blue Door. There's nowhere really to eat at Blue Door Smokehouse, maybe like one little table outside mm-hmm. or you know, but I've taken the food from there and either taken it to wherever I'm staying or just taken it over to Mirror Twin. Right. And, you know, I'll order a pizza from Mirror Twin too, which are, you know, solid. solid. Yeah. You know, I, I'll spend money there, but, you know, as a pl- the, 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 the food and drink matching with that. But I've had great, um, really good experiences like some smoked sausage. I thought the brisket was very good. I thought the pork was good. I, I was extremely pleased. Is, is Blue Door on your, on your radar? Oh, yeah. I mean, if that's not the top it's very near the top for barbecue i'd say it's the top there's another one i'll mention that's kind of in georgetown called uh red state barbecue that's uh kind of on the way to georgetown but also a really solid one i've heard good things i've heard good things but i haven't been out that way yet i'll have to make sure to to do that let's move on to our honorable mentions and we'll let you go first all right so mine would be to to grab brunch at at a local spot um I work in Frankfurt, so I'm not around for lunch as much. But, yeah, Saturdays, Sundays, I'm always trying to find a good spot. But uh, Bear and the Butcher is owned by one of my close friends. Uh, but it actually is one of the most popular uh, spots in town to grab brunch. Uh, they have great wings. I know that's not really brunch food, but I'm just going to, you know, say what, 
what I get the most. Yeah. They have a fried chicken sandwich that they put pimento cheese and bacon on and uh, jalapenos and a honey mustard. Oh man, it's phenomenal, but they have the more traditional, you know, chicken and waffles and then uh, different breakfast uh, sandwiches that'll definitely fill you up. Uh, another spot would be Josie's, which is also the kind of Chevy chase area. Very popular. You got to get there early um, or you'll have to wait. And then, if you're here, they're not open on Sundays, but on a Friday or Saturday morning or, you know, any day during the week, Wheeler's Pharmacy is like a old school bar stool kind of sit down um, in the back of an actual pharmacy. It's been uh, here for years. Just a greasy spoon, you know, greasy burger, milkshake, fries. It's a good spot, too. And, and good breakfast food as well. I should have eaten before we did this segment. That was a clear miscalculation on my on my part. I was going to mention Josie's. If you didn't, that's a that's a great one. And you know, there's, there's a lot of places I got to check out. Uh, uh, I've I've heard Carson's for the Bloody Mary. Is that? Oh yeah, Carson's. Yeah, they they have a great Bloody Mary. That's one I should have mentioned as well. Um, and it's Carson's just a cool spot in general. Kind of has a speakeasy feel to it a little bit, and just uh, it, it's a cool. It has a cool patio too. So yeah, Carson's can't go wrong. Great portions as well. For my honorable mention, this gets back to the idea. If you can't make the distillery tour, but you want to drink a lot of great whiskey right in Lexington. Well, one is real easy because it's that paddock bar at Keeneland. Now, especially early in the meet, and then hopefully maybe they'll restock for Breeders' Cup. But I've noticed you want to talk about bottles you can't find in New York for less than, you know, thousands they they have unfindable things there i mean yeah there are things there that you're going to pay just a lot more than you would at a normal whiskey bar but to me that's no different than the person who's willing to pay whatever he's willing to pay for the for the cheap beer at the ball game and then if you know what you're looking for you can get stuff that you just that's priceless more or less at least to my at least to my uh, taste buds so if you want you know whatever 18 year old eagle rare or you know some crazy van winkle rye things that are just really really hard to find anyway i love that one but then in terms of places in town two i wanted to name check one is justin's house of bourbon which is also a shop and what's great is it's a shop with the bar connected so of course you can taste before you buy which is wonderful and if you're somebody looking to take bottles back what a great ability to make sure that what you get and what you might be spending money on are things that you're going to actually enjoy and then one i wanted to ask you about because mike maloney has been tipping me and telling me i have to go there for years because they have apparently just a great list but also really known for their really knowledgeable bartenders the bluegrass tavern is that is that a place on your radar and then where else else to drink whiskey uh, in your opinion so yeah bluegrass tavern is is one of the most well-known i'd say and that's uh in the central bank kind of uh I guess pavilion area. I don't know if they still call it, but the old courthouse downtown, it's, it's a good spot. They usually do Thursday night live out there and that's, you go sneak into there and, and grab a bourbon. And and like you said, the bartenders are very knowledgeable. Um, I will say that uh, if you're looking a little later on um, the same owners of Justin's house of bourbon, which are friends of mine as well, uh, have Bell's cocktail house downtown. And uh, that's a great spot for, to grab a bourbon or uh you know, different craft cocktails and uh, has great atmosphere, rooftop bar, pretty good on Thursday nights as well. Um, so, yeah, Bell's, I would say. And then uh, there's a couple, I mean, there's plenty of them downtown. You don't have to go far. You don't have to look too hard to find a, a good bourbon bar, honestly. 
don't str- don't struggle for whiskey in that town. For your number one, you went with a different kind of bar. Let's pop that one up on the screen and, and have you read it out. So yeah, I go to a dive bar. So I mean, if if you're asking me a local on a, any given Friday or Saturday night where where you can find me, um, there's about three places kind of close by uh, around town that are divey, kind of you know off the beaten path a little bit. But um, one would be Charlie Brown's. I don't know if you've ever been there, Pete, but um, it's uh, definitely one of the older drinking establishments in town. Uh, they have you know a nice little fireplace. It's and all these places as dive bars are naturally pretty dim lighting wise, but uh, you know, it's got a nice fire. It's got couches kind of looks like your shelves there, Pete, except it's just got books all over the walls. Um, not, not a bad TV setup If you want to watch a game or racing in there as well, good bar food. They're open till, you know, 2 AM and serving their kitchen serves late. So Charlie Brown's definitely one. even, you know, my dad went there when he was in college. So that's um, a cool spot. <laughs> And then right across the street is Chevy Chase Inn. It's uh, also very divey, but uh, it's the oldest bar in Lexington. I think it was uh, established in the 30s, um, so probably right after Prohibition. And then it's it's just unique. I mean, they have live music there on uh, you know Friday, Saturday nights as well. And uh, they say it's where the pros go to drink. I don't know. There's there definitely some humor uh, all over that bar. Uh, you'll find so. And then the last one is uh, a, a little pub called Shinaway pub. It's a uh, karaoke bar uh, in Shinaway center. Uh, but uh, you know, it's, it's definitely has some regulars that are, that are pretty talented and I've been known to, to hop up there and nice. too from time to time. But uh, you know, they have the, <laughs> probably the cheapest beer in town. I think they have, you know, $8 pitchers of Bud Light or something like that. But it, you know, it's just uh, it's a neighborhood type place, but but some good uh, karaoke singers for sure. I'm sensing a, a Breeders' Cup week video. Um, yeah, I mean, where, where you know maybe we drag uh, Vanessa Ryle, who's going to be with me, and uh, if Michelle Yu comes to town, she's always up for some karaoke. We might get some oh, yeah. good content out of the Shinaway Pub. We'll talk about yeah. that one off air. I'm happy we'll, to tag along wherever. You know. All right, we'll we'll talk, man. We'll talk. Okay. Right. I want to ask about bars. It will be the World Series. Where where? What about going out to very specifically watch a game? Where would you go? Yeah, so I would say uh, the best TV setup in town is Lex Live, and it's a fairly new. It's been here the past couple years, kind of came on board right after COVID or right during COVID. But um, they have massive TVs. Um, it's also got an arcade, which I'm not a big arcade guy, but you know, they I went in there and there's some pretty cool games. They have, uh, you know, the pop shots. They even have like a beer pong type game, and they had. Uh, uh, Mario Kart, but with the actual steering wheels, which is pretty cool. <laughs> But no, great TV setup. The food's pretty solid, bar food. Then they have a movie theater and uh, bowling lanes as well, and they're open pretty late. So that's a cool spot. And also KS Bar is another one I'll give you uh, off of Fair Matt Jones. Matt Jones. Yeah, Matt Jones' spot. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a cool spot. They've got great wings as well and, and a good TV setup for sure. That's great. All right. Well, some great ideas there. My number one's a pretty obvious one. If you're out there for Breeders' Cup or really whenever you're there, if there are horses there, Get yourself out to the track in the morning. I mean, it is just so cool to be able to see these horses up close. They're, they're so amazing. And as great as the atmosphere at the track in the afternoon is, uh, the morning definitely has its whole own set of charm going on, and especially Breeders' Cup Week when you can see these, these equine athletes. Any advice for people who want to go out in the morning? Do you Is that in your – I don't know. You, you're at these dive bars. Maybe you're sleeping in and not getting out in the morning. 
I, you know, I haven't been to you know, the breakfast with the works in a while, but that's, that's always a fun thing to take, uh, to take family to. But yeah, if you can't get that ambiance in the morning, like you, you don't even be there in the afternoon like that. If you can't get excited about that, you know what I mean? It's, it's just such a, uh, unique and, and special atmosphere just to see, get up close personal with the animals and, you know, you see in Breeders Cup week, you're obviously going to see some, it's like watching practice for, you know, all-star week or something exactly. in any other given sport, you know what I mean? So it's, it's definitely a cool spot. Uh, gotta love going in the mornings. And if you can human, get off the trainer, that'll kind of shepherd you around. That's even better, you know? Exactly. Human and equine stars on display. John, we got to roll, but we're going to hear you if you're listening to the podcast version at the end of the show. If you're on YouTube, rate, review, and subscribe. Do us a favor. Also, make sure you check out our website, inthemoneypodcast.com, and our plus service if you want even more, inthemoneypodcast.com slash plus. We'll be talking soon, John. Thanks, Pete. Take care. If, like us, you follow racing from all around the world, we've got something you need to check out right now. The fall racing calendar in Britain has just reached a crescendo. Champions Day last weekend, Tattersall sales just concluded and continuing very soon. It's the perfect time of year to be exploring and getting involved in British racing. But where to start? Well, over this period, Great British Racing International is bringing you a showcase of the best of British racing and bloodstock as told by leading figures from across the industry. On www.investinthebest.co.uk and across GBRI's social media platforms, you will find stories of world-leading horses trained in Britain, of the country's foremost breeding operations, of the global footprint of horses sold at Britain's sale, of the welfare standards that are upheld for the horse population in Britain, and more. You can also find out more about British racing through Great British Racing International, who can assist you in taking your first steps into buying, owning, racing, and breeding in Britain. To find out more and follow all the stories, visit investinthebest.co.uk. Brought to you by Great British Racing International. Three, two, one. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at Keeneland. The Keeneland Fall Meet is off and running. Get in on the action and wager with Keeneland Select. New accounts receive a special $100 back after you wager $200 on Keeneland Racing this October. Wager a total of $300 in the first 30 days, and you'll get another $100 back with the standard sign-up bonus. Sign up at KeenelandSelect.com. Keeneland Select, mobile betting that gives back. PTF in the bunker here for our third segment on the audio show and a standalone video that's going to drop, oh, I don't know, maybe Wednesday. Very happy to welcome in a guest to talk about a topic I know she's very fond of, live long shots at the Breeders' Cup. She's coming to us in her later hosen. She's shaking what God gave her. She's Michelle Yu. What's up, Michelle? I feel like I really missed the boat here, and I should have put my hair in, like, pigtails and had, like, a big beer. Isn't this shirt great? It's awesome. So I'm assuming that was Santa Anita recently had an Oktoberfest. Am I putting two and two together? Well, and if you're listening to the audio, you've got to go to the YouTube video just to drop a comment about how great Michelle looks in that shirt. Yes. Santa Santa Anita had a, we have an Oktoberfest last weekend and this upcoming weekend, and we're giving away these for ladies. And we've got like shirts with the later hosen for the gents, although feel free to trade it around if you want. (laughs) Believe it or not, Pete did don this on air. (laughs) <laughs> that's amazing i want one i want one i want one for for each uh each sex and i will i will sport them both proudly that's how we roll around here we're here to talk about long shots though as much fun as it is to talk about oktoberfest as much as i wish we had big steins of beer as we were going we're doing the old the the the, the, the youtube standby here we're going to count down 
five from you, five from me. We're going to do an honorable mention before our top one. And I'll give you first honors, your, your first uh, live long shot. And we're defining long shots as uh, anti-post books in Europe. We're looking for 10 to one or higher, just so you have an idea of what, what long shot means in this context. Who do you want to talk about first? Let's go with National Treasure. First of all, okay, so he's 14 to one. This is the horse that was runner up to Cave Rock and the American Pharaoh. He was doing that just off of one race. I love the fact that he pressed Cave Rock, who we know is wicked fast, and he was able to stay, and he was much the best of the rest of the group. Now, who was chasing him? We don't know, obviously, but all I can do is say I think this Colt should be able to move forward. If you don't think he can beat Cave Rock, but you can get 14, 15 to one like that, he's a nice underneath play, and I think that this is the right price for him. He's bred to run all day long. He's by quality road of a Medaglia Dioro mare, so I just think that I thought that two turns was going to be right up his alley. And I think that he still delivered. Sometimes you just run into a freak of nature. That being said, the Breeders' Cup has always been, I feel like, a place that you've seen favorites go down in flames. And if someone's going to pick up some pieces, it could be national treasure. I think you make a very compelling case. I'll keep it with the two-year-olds for my number five. I'm really interested in Tyler's tribe for the juvenile turf sprint. This would be one of the stories of the Breeders' Cup, given that we're dealing with an Iowa bred going on the big stage, given the the 20-year-old the female jockey on his back. I don't know if he's going to like the turf. I don't know how he's going to class up. But I know that at double digits, the, based on the speed figures this horse has run, I will pay to find out. I'm definitely interested in Tyler's Tribe in the Juvenile Turf Sprint. I know you might have a little bit of an interest in that race, too. You were hinting at off air. Uh, yeah, we're we're going to pre-enter our horse into the Juvenile Turf Sprint as well. I don't know if he'll get in, um, but hopefully we do. He ran second in the Speakeasy to Speedboat Beach, who I think is going to be one of your favorites in there. Um, and he's fast, super fast. What's his name? Halatic. Halatic, yes. That was that was not a bad run at all behind, speaking of freaky fast horses in that uh, juvenile turf sprint. A couple of long shots to consider in that one. Let's go to your fourth selection on this live long shots list, Michelle. Uh, I'm going to go to another Bob Baffert training because, hey, why not? And it's going to be country grammar at 25 to 1 right now. Uh, this, for me, country grammar is your mile and a quarter horse, right? I thought he was going to, you know, maybe win the Pacific Classic if Flightline faltered and didn't like the distance. Obviously, Flightline relished the distance, and he gave us that Secretariat-like performance. But I know at least Country Grammar is the proven commodity when it comes to showing your A game at 10 furlongs. Um, you know, that's something that Flightline's going to have to prove is that he can ship somewhere, do this somewhere else. He's always run out of his own stall, and he's so lightly raced. I mean, Country Grammar's gone all the way to Saudi Arabia and to Dubai, and he's brought his A game. So I know he can get on a plane and bring it. So for me, at 25 to 1, uh, Country Grammar in the in the Classic. Hey, don't sell that Met Mile of Flightline's too short there. He, 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 did, he did pretty well shipping that day, but I do take your point. It's yeah, I love the four horses he beat. Good job, buddy. It's... Yeah, but we have these things called the, the, the clock and the eyes that, that that help us in these situations. Look, you still raise a good point. It's, it's going to be the toughest test of his life by far, and he's going farther than ever. If you want to take a shot, that is a big number on country grammar. I cannot disagree with you. I'll go back to the juvenile ranks for my fourth pick in this. 
with a horse that folks who are longtime listeners to the podcast know I've been a fan of for a long time. And the winner is this cleverly named son of Oscar performance. Big things have been expected for a while. And last the last day, oh, hello, the last day, big things were delivered in, uh, in, in at Keeneland. It, I was just very, very impressed. Looked to me like a classic case of a horse who's always had talent, where the penny maybe has dropped and he's taken it to a new level. And I know you were surprised when he was even eligible for this list and was as long as 12 to one as he is now. But I do think you might still get eight, 10, 12 on the day when all the Europeans show up for this race. And this may not be a race that they have a stranglehold over. I, I take it. You like this horse a little bit too. I do. Yeah. I think he's super cool. So I was surprised that you said he was on the 10 to one and above list. All right. Let's keep this conversation rocking with your third selection where do you want to go here my third selection is blue stripe so we're going to head over to the distaff i certainly think that todd pletcher has a stranglehold on this group with nest and malathat um but blue stripe is no nothing to sniff at right she won the clement hirsch she's been working super well i think that she runs decently enough fresh she is one of those horses that i think is just going to get overlooked and every time she's overlooked she runs a good race is she good enough to beat uh, the two Pletcher horses? I don't know, but I know that she's going to come and she's going to throw down and she's let good East Coast horses come to her before and she's defeated them. So Blue Stripe is 16 to one right now. And I think that you'll probably get a better price than that. She looked overmatched in this race a year ago, but she's gotten better since then. She's tough. She's a fighter. She had a, we, I, we, we had the owner on our podcast on the owner's box and he told us all the stuff going into like breeders cup and, and everything and how, why it's different now. Yeah, that's great. Oh, always worth checking out the owner's box, especially around this time of year for folks looking for Shameless a little bit. Plug. <laughs> we also had the uh, co-owner and trainer of Tyler's tribe. If you'd like to learn about him. Yeah. That was a great one. That was a great one as well. I was going to let you do the shameless plug, but maybe I, maybe I should have let you off the hook. I like the musical shameless plug. We yes. might have, to make, we might have to make a little, you know, pot of that for the board over here and just. Well, it's got to be like the Garth Brooks, like I'm shamelessly plugging my show. <laughs> Please create that for me. I'll play it all the time. <laughs> if you do. But the other key point about a runner like Blue Stripe and all these long shots we're talking about, th these do not necessarily have to win to make you money. There are bets right. called the exacta and the trifecta and the superfecta. And a lot of people looking for numbers to put in. And I can guarantee you, you're not going to hear too many podcasts where Blue Stripe is talked about. And I think it's a, it's a compelling case. I'm going to make a case for another horse that I am surprised is available at the price she is based on the quality that she's shown in her races all around the world. Another one that longtime listeners know I'm a card carrying member of the Campanelle fan club. I just think based on class and the things she's accomplished, the idea that she could be a double digit runner and it's not nuts. I mean, with all the money that golden Powell's going to take with the money that Highfield princess is going to take, you could end up getting this runner among the classiest in the field, among the fastest in the field at around eight or 10 to one. There's absolutely no way I'm allowing Campanelle to win a race like this and not cashing if she's any kind of price. And I, and I suspect that's what we'll see. Do you have any early fancy in the turf sprint? How are you seeing it from this far out? Golden pal. <laughs> <laughs> is that much better in Kentucky? Is that is that the? Because I mean, I get that angle, and 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 you know, he he looked very human in Saratoga, or very non non super equine yes, in Saratoga. I, yeah. he back to Kentucky, and, mortal. And he, he looked mortal. Yes, and and he looked immortal once again. But again, we can we can also we can also get a little ward exacta here and and have it work out that way. I'll take it. 
Let's move on to your second selection here. Michelle, where, where do you want to go? I think we're at my fourth selection. Well, we're I'm counting down. So this is Oh, you're counting down. Five, four, three, two, oh. yeah. yeah, I went one, two, three, four, five. So well, right. uh, maybe you can just reverse the whole order then if you're doing this mentally. But you know, we're just looking for interesting horses to bet. The menu. This was, it. This was not in any kind of preference anyway. So yeah. um, my next horse is Smooth Like Straight. Love this. I horse. am a big fan of Smooth Like Straight. I think he always throws down. You know, he doesn't always win, but he runs a lot of seconds and a lot of thirds. And I think the key is the mile. He was second in the Arlington Million. That's the last time that we saw him. I think bringing him back to the mile is going to be exactly what he wants. He's run super well in this race previously. He's 25 to 1 right now. I think he's like the forgotten horse. Everyone's like, horse moving like straight. And he's been training at Churchill. And he's been training great. It, I love this horse. And... It's just going to all be about pace for me. I mean, I loved him in the race last year. And if if he can go out there and set nice, efficient fractions once again, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him run big. And I think he's another one that should be all of 10, 12 to one or higher and, and maybe considerably higher, depending on which uh, which euros come over. It certainly seems like modern games didn't miss a beat. Um, he, he's planning on coming over. Uh, and then it, it also sounds like Kinross is going to be uh, appearing mm-hmm. in the race. So you're going to have a huge chunk of this market all eaten up by those two euros. It's going to create value elsewhere. Maybe smooth like straight is the place to land. I'll go to the sprint. And I'm going to take a shot in this race with Gunite. I like Gunite. I just thought that I think the way that he finishes his races and the way that this race shapes up on paper, we have some huge questions this far out, not knowing if Jack Christopher is going to go here or the dirt mile. That's certainly an open question. You know, figuring out which version of Jackie's warrior we're going to get. That's an open question. But Gunite has impressed me. And I feel like it could be the kind of year where as it, as it can be almost any year in the sprint where that horse coming from just off the pace ends up having advantage over mm-hmm. some of the theoretically faster individuals. Gunite, Gunite for me in this one, Michelle. I like it. He's so handsome too. Really? I just love a handsome horse and he's handsome. <laughs> Good looking devil, isn't he? He is. Before we get to our number one, and we sort of already blown up the gimmick that we're, they we're just sort of putting these in random order, but to, to obey the template of the YouTube video, before you get to the number one, you do an honorable mention and your honorable mention actually has a reason to be an honorable mention because this horse as of now is not eligible for this list technically, because I'm not seeing any 10 to one internationally, but tell us where, tell us where and why you went with this one. So for me, it's in the juvenile turf and it's packs a wallop. Uh, right now he is seven to one, but like we've already said, I think when the Euros come over, he's going to be drifting up there. Everyone's going to say, oh, all he's done is win races in California. Uh, <laughs> and they're just going to chuck him out. I think that this horse is super cool. To be quite frank with you, watching the bevy of Breeders' Cup winning your in races and everything all from like the first weekend or so at Santa Anita, packs a wallop to me was the only one I walked away saying that horse could really win um he has just a devastating closing kick i think that he is relatively versatile he's just gotten better and better in my opinion so i think the way he won that race i was like this horse is going to be competitive on the world stage so packs a wallop for sure for me as a play he's seven to one right now but could go higher but still even in this anywhere in this wheelhouse i love him 
except his name. I think his name is terrible. Like it does not like turn around and tell him that. That's what I want. I mean, I'm gonna call. I think Tim Cohen knows for. I'm gonna be like, what is? Why did you name him this? That's like not a horse. That's like okay. Here, I'm gonna read all my Triple Crown winners, right? And you're like reading all these names, and you're like, Pax a wallop. Like no, it's a claiming name. He's just he's like outrunning his name for sure. Oh my god, that's so funny. Well, I'll tell you this about Pax a wallop when. I'm doing this work for at the races.com doing all kinds of contender profiles and things. And for the juvenile turf, I chose to do Paxa Wallop because I think he's an interesting story. I think he's more talented than you'd think at first blush. And I thought, especially for the international audience, good horse for them to be aware of. So I'm, I'm not yeah. too far behind you with that one for my honorable mention though. I went with an old favorite and this is one of those angles where, you know, football, college football, pro football betters, you know, they make a line at the beginning of the year for every game, right? Like, and then obviously it changes as the season goes along, but there's sometimes signal in looking back to what did people think was going to happen in this week eight NFL game before the season? Oh, then the giants were, you know, supposed to be beaten by two touchdowns. Now it's pick them. Sometimes there's signal in remembering what they were, what, what it was supposed to be beforehand. That's where my angle is with this honorable mention Clarier. This was a horse, I think, in the middle of the summer, you would have had a head of Malathod on lists for this race, and you would have said, is absolutely a serious contender. Um, the price has gone through the ceiling, as now everybody not only falling over themselves to bet Malathod internationally in this race, but also, of course, Nest, her even more fancied, younger stablemate. What about Clarier, folks? Well, why can't she bounce back and do something special based on what we've seen from her in the past? Do you, do you are you a believer at all? You you love shooting. I have actually never been a big Clarier fan, to be honest with you. I even like I don't know. I just I've never been a huge Clarier fan. So I think you and I should go head to head, Clarier versus Blue Stripe. I'll take that bet. What are we, what are we, uh, are you going to be there by the way? What is your breeders' yeah. cup schedule? And then, yes, and then I and fly out the 30th of October. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, we'll, we'll have plenty of time. You know, we got, there's a hint. We may do a karaoke video. You up for some karaoke in Lexington? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. All right. My, my, Monday's Halloween, a little Halloween dress up karaoke. You could, you could wear your, I guess that's not Lederhosen. Lederhosen is the, the dude's version. Yeah, I, don't this, I don't know what this is called. Bustier? Oh, yeah. it, it's something. <laughs> but back to Clarier for a minute. You know, obviously the personal ensign didn't work out, but on the rail at Saratoga on a day when I didn't think that was great. I mean, she ran badly enough that maybe that's not an excuse. She also showed no speed, etc. But been working with Epicenter. She comes back, comes back to form. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't sleep on her too much in this spot. I don't think this race is as simple as the two Pletchers. We have our top picks each to talk about. Michelle, we'll uh, give you the honor of going first. The Riddler. <laughs> now, a lot of USA audience isn't going to know who the Riddler is. So go okay, so the, the Riddler won the Norfolk at like, I don't know, 150 to one or something, right? He's he's quasi-famous because he has a reverse question mark on his face. So you think about Batman and the Riddler. Um, he then got beat. Now, he's kind of hit or miss, right? He either wins or he runs like crap. So I kind of despise that, but he is on a pattern to run well in the Breeders' Cup. If I'm not mistaken, they also are still not sure which race I think they're going to go in, either the Juvenile 2 Sprint, which he did win a win and you're in into, but they might list the Juvenile Turf as first preference because they think he wants to go further. Um, so either way, he's like 16 to 1 for both races. And I think that this Colt has a lot of talent. He's just got some mental issues and just needs, 
I don't know. I don't know if he needs like to be gelded or some blinkers or a shadow roll or a cheek piece or like a new bit or just to go the opposite direction, like something. And it's, it's reminiscent to me of, um, uh, what was that Aiden O'Brien horse at Churchill that won? Navy yeah. flag or something. U.S. Navy flag. U.S. Navy. Yeah, that horse. And, and Aiden was like, oh, you know, he's just kind of green. We just we had to put some blinkers on him and Aiden doesn't like to use blinkers. So it was like a big deal. So anyways, to me, this is just like a horse that I feel like has a lot of talent and just needs a little tweaking. And anytime you can get euros at good prices, you got to look at them, right? It's not crazy. And I'll give you the two races. We, we, we will say you get you get the 16 for, for, for either one with the Riddler. The Norfolk uh, winning your inaction for uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint at, at Ascot, where we had the opportunity to, to, to hang out. I was surprised. We, we made it into the Royal Enclosure, and we, we weren't shot on sight. That was the, the real upset of the day. We got <laughs> 150 to 1 on the Riddler. <laughs> one more horse to talk about on this show, and it's my top pick. And this one I really, really like. Another one. Quite surprised to see listed at double digit in the markets, given she's the defending champion in the race. What about Cece for the Philly and Mare Sprint? I feel like she's coming into the race the right way. She's proven she can do it. And, you know, it's not an easy task to repeat in a race like this, but I, I, I'm a big fan and there's no way she's being left off of my tickets. And I, and I had to throw her out here for uh, more than honorable mention. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing my old friend. And I like at the Breeders' Cup, it's one of the things I love about the Breeders' Cup. Where else, Michelle, do you get paper like CC's that you can have a horse that could be uh, 10 to one in a race? I you, love it. You don't see it, right? It makes, but that's what makes it so fun, but also so hard, right? It, it's true. It's true. It means, it means the betting piece of the equation gets very complicated. And that's one of the things we're going to be talking about on our coverage here on uh, In The Money Media as we get closer to the big event. That's all the time we got, Michelle. Any closing thoughts for the for the fans? Do you want to do a little dance one more time, or you know, you, you tell know, me. do you know what my go to karaoke is? Oh no, I gotta hear this. It's Eminem without me. Oh wow, that's ambitious. That is my and no lyrics necessary. Thank you very much. I don't need <laughs> lyrics for my karaoke. <laughs> Turn them off. Let Turn her go. Off. All right. Well, we're gonna we are definitely gonna try to figure this out. Whether it's will will you be are you in late on the 30th or early on the 30th? That's the Sunday. Late. Okay, late. late. I don't know. Halloween karaoke with cameras rolling might be the thing. The, the, <laughs> co the costumes add a whole other element. Michelle, thank you so much for your time today. We'll be Thanks, talking. Pete. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at the Adelphi Racing Club. I don't just read the copy for these Adelphi ads. I'm a member, and I have been impressed. What a fantastic interactive ownership experience. And this partnership, they don't treat you like uh, some random investor. You're treated like a partner. You're part of the club. This is a like-minded group of individuals and a truly interactive ownership experience that hopefully is going to be the right fit for you. They take a responsible approach to horse ownership strategy through patient acquisitions. you got to pay attention to what's going on with Adelphi and you'll find an opportunity to really enjoy ownership experience. Learn more at AdelphiRacing.com. You can reach out with any questions to Matt Kater, Matt at AdelphiRacing.com. You can also follow along on social at Adelphi underscore racing on Insta and on Twitter at Adelphi Club. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. I want to thank all of today's guests. I want to thank our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing and the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Come join us for the TRF party Friday night Breeders' Cup weekend. You can come and join us for a while. You can just pop by and still 
get to dinner. It's going to be after the races. Should be a lot of fun to look for tickets for that event. trfinc.org slash players. And hey, if you can't make it to the party, but you still want to donate, that's a great link to do so on as well. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Thanks to producer AJ for all his help today. Our business manager is Drew Cotney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatal. May you win all your photos. Yeah. Uh, I make the Phillies go silly when I'm walking in the building looking like about a million. Man, I do this shit for really. Give me a beat. I kill it. Got that heat. I grill it. Got your girl here with me. And I know she catching feelings. Ride us up. I'm in my zone, it's post time, this no Malone They're in the gate, and away they go And you broke late, you're way too slow It's your boyfriend with the early lead Around the far turn, and he still got speed When I hit that gas, it's no catching me See, I'm all class, I'm lavishly Amassing all these casualties On my way to the victory All these haters getting real sick of me And all these ladies wanna take pics with me Cause I may go down in here as a champion, Eclipse Trophy, Triple Crown, I'm the king, greatest thing they've ever seen, as a long shot, no one show love to me, I'm the favorite, now they all f- with me, and when the ladies come to Kentucky, they gotta pay my stud fee, it's why I be.